episode of the Miles Driven with me, Miles. Iasas. Iasas. Yes. Did you actually say your name in that? No. Oh, you just said Iasas. I just said hello. Uh, well, I'm glad. I'm glad you've gone back to a, another language. You should know what that one is, though. I hope. Is it Greek? Yes. Is it? Yeah. You just said hello. Yeah. You didn't, you didn't say. It's, it's hello. a hello, but in a group term. That's how you say hello to a yeah, group? Yeah, of yeah, yeah. It's like Yasu and y- and Yasas and things yeah. like that. Well, you said cheers, it. You yeah. said it better. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, it's Miles and Sam. <laughs> For anyone yeah, who's... Well, I don't say my name anymore. I'm that famous, and everyone knows that I'm the main person. What on about this people that are just tuning in for the first well, time? Go back. Go back. Go back. Why would you start halfway through a series? No one goes through a television series and starts on episode six. I can imagine all the people that have been attracted to come and listen to us. They've just heard of us and they're thinking, so I've listened to for 30 seconds and they've offended me. Yeah. By saying no so one does Welcome this. to the theme of our channel. Yes. We were just talking about um, Sam's holiday plans before we got onto this. We were, we, we decided we weren't going to bore you with that because we were just talking about planes in great detail. Yeah, but I've just put my honeymoon, so yeah, and that's why we're talking about it. And my interest was on what plane are you getting on? After Miles had got up, after collapsing yeah. at the price of the honeymoon. I, <laughs> I don't know how many cars I could buy. For the, I mean, it's not like... An, you could buy, I'd, I'd say, a solid between five and eight I imagine you'd probably do you get... Know, do you know what's points? interesting? Because of the topic we're going to cover today, I reckon I could get a, I'm going to put in my own air quotes, good uh, Range Rover. Oh, you definitely... For, for me, oh, you good in afford my... a Range Rover. Yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, I say. A, an actual running one as well, I think. Um, running. Because well, the thing not is... Not saying running well. No. As, but I say, it, as in starts and cause not people, necessarily drives, but moves. Because people listening might think... When I say oh, it's a Range Rover, they think, "God, how much does guy spend on his honeymoon?" Oh, yeah, I'm, yeah. So I, I'm not, I'm not minted or anything. No, no. I, I'm just, I'm talking about the sort of Range Rover that I would buy. Yes. So when, so when I say bring everyone's expectations yeah. of my honeymoon down, and when I say running, I think it would be running. It would run all the way to your driveway. At which point it might. At which not point run. I would run all the way away from my driveway. Yes. <laughs> and then I tell, we just need to do a quick job, and then three months later. Oh, mate, I'd love to, but I'm not here for the next ten years. Yeah. Um, but yeah, on the back of that, the uh, my desk. Uh, model of a 747 is uh, still it's back up. It's just well, it's only got three engines because yeah, Sam you, knocked no, them no, off. No, 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 no. I'm not having any of this. That Go you on. broke that engine a good period of time, and then ago. I glued it back on. Yeah, and then you obviously broke it. not very well because it had a slight malfunction. What it, you 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 came in it, here? It lost some altitude. Yes, and the engine's now off. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we'll move on to stuff that people don't have to visualise now. But yeah, yeah just fine. just as an update for anyone who was listening. To so that so far, podcast. the visualisations they've been offended. So yes. Imagine two angry people visualising yeah. me on a beach, which is a, just a terrifying idea. Yeah. <laughs> Even for in, me, in a, in a pink I'll pair of speedos or something. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, on to Mars's drivel. Um, a quick news one: uh, Toyota have released. If you're in the UK, this is because I know in America you've had the GR86 for I think about six months. They've had it, and we we haven't had it here. We've had it teased and sort of said, "Oh yeah, you'll be Are getting." You still it. angry with Toyota? I am still angry with Toyota because they've. The, the GR Corolla still isn't here, so. But and the, it's been a week. I know you'd think they would have got their act together in that time, <laughs> uh, but the GR86 price has been price and release has been announced. So it's going to come out in the UK in July. That's when you can go into a showroom. Well, they're saying at least you can go into a showroom. Whether there'll be some, I don't know, uh, restrictions because of chip shortages or whatever else. But they're saying July, and it's going to be twenty nine thousand nine hundred ninety five pounds. Sure. Which I, I think that's brilliant. There's Just nothing. in case you didn't hear that, was <laughs> yeah. You, you, there's nothing you can buy in that price. Well, I, I mean, there's plenty of things you can buy in that price bracket for a sports car. Name one. So a Cayman is another many ten second-hand ones. Not new though. I could buy a used i30m 
a used VX. Someone might have crashed it into a wall. Used S3. Yeah, someone might have crashed it into a wall. Well, they might not have. But they might have. But they might not have. But you say to me every time I go and buy a car. Yeah, because you're buying a car for two or three hundred pounds. <laughs> yes. Yeah. As opposed to twenty or thirty grand. Uh, the PCP, the payment figures, if you want to put it on a PCP deal, um, you can get it from two nine nine a month Oof. with, I think, four grand down, which I think is fantastic. I, I think that's... You would. You can go get one. I, I genuinely. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, GRI 6, I've, said, I've already said to my partner, we'll, we'll be buying one. Okay. I, I'll, I would probably be... I should believe that when I see it. Yeah, that's fine. You spending four grand on anything, let alone a deposit for a house, <laughs> would be amazing. Yeah. No, well, it, well, I'll have to do a little bit of saving, but... When the day comes, the day. Well, I, I'm hoping that I'll be able to get a bit of a deal. Put it down now. Give us a date by when you will own a GR86. I want one by March next year because we can only buy them there in the you go. UK. March 2023. If not, he's going to close down the Mars Driven. You heard it here first. <laughs> what? You'll have to run it. Well, no, and I'll be you're your just closing it down. Oh, that'll be at the end of the. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> so the pressure really is on you at this point. I, I've wanted one of those since I heard about them, but as more information's come out about them. I've wanted one more and more because well, I, I want lots of things. I want to win the lottery. Doesn't mean I'm going to do it by next yeah, but, March. But there's not a way that you could conceivably do that. Apart I'm from not sure there's a way you're conceivably going to save up four grand to spend on a deposit for a car. Why? Because so I just don't think it's you a will. year. Oh no, I'm sure you could. I'm not saying you can't do it. I'm just saying you won't. Do when it. I when I sold my Golf GTI and decided I was going to save money. I took you took me to go and buy a five hundred pound diesel Clio, and I drove that thing around, saving money. So yeah. when I want to, <laughs> I can really set my mind to it. The problem is that in the meantime, I'll need transport. I'll, I'll buy something that I know will be in desperate need of repair. Well, the last thing wasn't in desperate need of repair. The it was in need. No, the Clio. Well, I sold it. Well, yeah, but you could buy another one. I could buy another They probably made more than one, I'd have thought. The, the funny thing is, I bought that car because I had to commute all the time. Now I work from home for the majority yeah, of so the time. Yeah, so why do you need transport? Well, I still need a car. A, why? because I'll, I'll eventually... And this is an interesting so point. Is it because you run a, a car podcast? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you feel like there. maybe you should drive. There is that. I mean, I, I've got enough access to cars that I can at least do that. But uh, the, the thing for me is that if you have a no claims bonus in the UK, so you, you keep it, but it does expire. So if you oh, don't use it? it, yeah, it's usually for tw- uh, 24 months from okay. your last insurance. If you don't use it for 24 months, usually you lose all of your no claims bonus. That seems a little unfair. Well, I, th- I suppose it's to say if you, I don't know, didn't drive for five years, have you technically got nine years no claims bonus from five years ago because you, you might just be getting back on the road for the first time? Maybe. I kind of understand it, but I, I do take your point that I think it's a bit odd. And, but you have, so that's another reason why. I do need to buy a car, because otherwise my... Ah, uh, good. <laughs> the, the, the sentence that fills me with dread, you going, well, I do need to buy a car. Which has led us on to the idea for this podcast, which I was looking at, I think I mentioned in a previous podcast. I think you mentioned it in the last one. <laughs> I think I mentioned it in loads of podcasts. <laughs> the, the, the second I saw petrol prices go up, I was like, well, I should buy a Range Rover, because yes. that's the obvious <laughs> next move that you do. And then you sit there and you think, well, do you know what? The, the L322 shape, which is the sort of 2002 for people listening, 2002 to 2012, had a really bad diesel engine first. Not Actually, sh- I shouldn't say bad diesel engine. It had BMW's 3-litre diesel engine paired to an absolutely terrible gearbox. <laughs> I think, and I, I might get this wrong, it might, have been a, it might be a 5-speed, it's definitely a 5-speed, and I think it's from made from General Motors, but I could be wrong on that last point. 
But basically, the gearbox is at the limit of the torque of the engine from factory. Oh, a bit like Astro with their original VXR. Exactly, like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, do you remember... I Sorry, Vauxhall. Why did I say Astro as, in the, as if they as were the company? The <laughs> yeah. But exactly like that. When they put it... I think it was the, the diesel variant as well. They were both yeah. at the torque limit of the gearbox, and Vauxhall decided, well, it's That'd be right. it's within spec. So yeah. Yes, but it is at the absolute limit. Do you, want to, do you not want to fit a different gearbox that's got a bit of leeway yeah. on that top end? No, so that when people tune it, it won't just disintegrate. And considering the fact that a VXR product, they probably would have expected people to go out there. Well, oh, people did go out people there in their thousands. Immediately put exhausts and remaps on yeah. them and blow their gearbox after 80. Although, to be fair, it happened after, you know, say 60,000 miles. And Vauxhall said... Good. Well, what do you not expect? Our, not our problem anymore. What would you expect? Yeah. You, know, you expect your car to last longer than 60,000 miles? Yeah. But yeah, so you can buy loads of those old Range Rovers that have got questionable gearbox stutters in the in the advert. People are sort of saying, look, we're selling it cheap because we think the gearbox is gone. And I'm sat there thinking, I think it just needs a, a transmission flush. And I could do that on Sam's driveway. You're doing nothing of the sort on my driveway. Well, you won't know, mate, because it'll be on your. It'll be stuck on <laughs> the your... bollards that I'm going to install on <laughs> yes. my driveway. You're going to have the sort of things that they have uh, at really secure, like like um, like the, the White House, like the government, yeah, and the White yeah. House would have one. The Parliament, <laughs> those pillars that come yes. out the ground. Yeah, none of these ones that you have to get a little key and you put it in no, and no. You unlock it and drop the... it into the floor. This is going to be automated, and I can automate it from anywhere yeah. in the world. Yes. You just have to know I'm coming though, because I'm wait. Oh, that's fine. I'll set up. I'll have a, se- a secret string of cameras and what, sensors. My, my facial recognition. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If Miles is coming, then the barriers go up. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we're going. Yeah. So the 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 podcast today is Range Rovers. Did you want to talk about anything first before oh. we go on to Range Rovers? Well, we could talk about the non-Range Rovers. Yes. To segue us into Range so Rovers. There are, as far as I'm aware, with there's four different types of Range Rovers, and we aren't really going to be discussing two of them. So. Prizes for guessing which ones they are. So the Range Rover Evoque. Sam, what what interests you about the Range Rover Evoque? Um, well, they're nothing. Okay, I'm not very interested in it either. Re- it's a rebodied. Oh no, hang on. Oh yeah, gone. Nothing. nothing. No, okay. No, sorry. So so that's a rebodied Discovery Sport essentially. With I mean, you can buy it in, you can buy that in two wheel drive. Well, good. <laughs> I like my I like my for, my off roaders to be two wheel drive. <laughs> it really starts to defeat the purpose. But anyway, um, the Evoke. Have you got any details on it, Sam? Just so at least we've covered off. I've got what the it was. basic engine details. So they've what, done. I'm bringing basic engine details. When there. did the Evoke get released? Oh, why are you asking me that? I don't have that screenshot. <laughs> okay, hold on. <laughs> I'm not hold on the website. Anymore. Let's just uh, let's just go through the four first, and then we'll, so there's the Evoke, there's the Velar, there's the Range Rover Sport, and there's the full Range Rover. We're going to be concentrating on. The Range Rover and the Range Rover Sport, uh, and we'll come to the reasons for that in a minute. But we are just going to quickly mention, for the sake of it, yep. the Range Rover uh, Evoque, which came out in 2011. Yeah, uh, that was a posh spice one, wasn't it? Yes, and it got quite a good review from certain people. I mean, yeah. it was obviously the famous one that they did on the famous motoring show. Yeah, where it got a good review, but <laughs> it's just for me, um, the the idea of a Range Rover is kind of there is more to it than badge. Yeah, I understand why the Evoke exists because some people want the Range Rover badge and the prestige that goes with that, and they really have no requirement at all to have to ever use it off road. Yeah, exactly. Um, so 
what's the but we're going to focus on the the second generation if you like which is 2019 onwards that's where we are that's now. the most recent one so if you yeah. want to go and buy an evoke so we've covered it off what what can you buy in its right. own petrol engines? wise you yeah. can have a 1.5 okay <laughs> on its own yeah it's not oh sorry it's, it's turbocharged it... so turbo 1.5 <laughs> with no with nothing it's not a mild hybrid no. or no. Right, okay. You can have a two-liter supercharged. Oh, that's an interesting engine. Well, that must be a Jaguar. Oh, it, says, it says two-liter supercharger. Yeah, yeah, supercharger. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Does it um, give you a pa- have you got power on that? Uh, I did. Okay, now can you come back to it in a second? What else is it? What else can you get on the? Uh, you can get the two-liter mild hybrid. Yeah. Okay. So you that can tell be... the enthusiasm in my voice how much I like this. I know. It'll be, it'll be more interesting once we move on. I promise. Yeah. But we do want to feel like we've covered it off. So uh, diesel, you can get a two-liter. You can get a two liter mild hybrid, or you can get a petrol plug in hybrid, which is a one point five. Okay, that's and all that, the that, options. That completes the, the, the Range Rover Evoque. Is there anything? I've been in. I've been in both generations. Yeah. Um, the most recent one I've been in was a year ago. I think the newer one, they have done a better job than the original. I know the the thing with the original was it kind of looked baby. Range Rover Sport face on it, but yeah, it, it did. did, and it did have these electronic controls for going off road. But it's it still just kind of felt like a bit of a marketing advertising tool. Yeah, the newer one, at least from a look wise, a presence wise, it does at least fit in a bit better. Yeah, I, I probably wouldn't want one myself, but I could understand why someone who is going to do all their mileage on the road. And wants an SUV because they want an SUV and you, you know, suggestions of an estate car and things like that are not going to, you know, um, are not going to pass. So no, I don't have the power things, by the way. I can't actually find them. That's fine. I, I mean, do a bit more digging, and I don't actually have the power for the next one we're going to do either. But I do have the power for the ones that we actually want. To yeah, yeah, that's fine. So on, so we'll move on to the Volar. The Volar is an interesting one because it's a larger vehicle. So you're you're about Range Rover Sport sized a bit smaller yeah I, well the original Range Rover Sport I yeah. say you're probably on that yeah. sort of footprint and you? it's got quite a rakish design I think the design of the vehicle that was rakish just to make sure everyone's... oh right yes <laughs> uh, it's, I think the design is quite nice I think it's quite a nice design that it's got to it and it was made to not be uh, off-roading it uses electronics and things like that it's yeah, not well, got... it's your sort of if they made a GT it's it's almost Land Rover's attempt at making a GT. Yeah, it's odd, like. isn't it? Because if you want, it's not a four by four. No, but the problem is, if you wanted to GT in a Range Rover, the best one you could buy would be would a be... Range Rover. <laughs> <laughs> this is the the crazy thing, isn't it? Um, what could you get in it, Sam? If you okay. Want, if you well, we it's it's on a. We'll come back to what it's what chassis it's on, won't we? In mm-hmm. a second. Right. So power wise, we've got a the where are we? Petrols? Are we petrols? I don't know. I'm talking to myself. Yes, I am. It's right, petrol. You can get a two litre petrol. You can get a two litre diesel. You can get a two litre diesel mild hybrid. You can get a two litre plug in petrol hybrid. You can get a three litre turbo petrol. You can get a three litre diesel V6. You can get a five litre supercharged V8 petrol. There's more options than I thought there would be. Yeah, and it's written really confusingly. So sorry, that probably didn't come across very well. So I was just trying to read it off a screen. Let's just start off the basic one that you could buy. If you because what so did we you, say? You've, you've literally got a two liter petrol diesel or a diesel mild hybrid. And we looked at the price. Or a plug-in hybrid petrol. Starts at. <laughs> 
price entry price is what forty five thousand pounds. Yeah. If you want, if you were that's, to that's walk into a showroom, and I don't think that would be your mild hybrid or your plug-in hybrid. That'd just be your diesel or your petrol. Yeah. I'm wondering if now they might have dropped that those engines for emissions, and it's probably yeah, a mild possibly. hybrid. So it's just going to have a big battery. Yeah. Rather than it, I mean, when I say big battery, it's yeah. They have... might not offer the standard petrol and diesel anymore. It might be the diesel mild hybrid and the yeah. petrol plug-in hybrid. Because mild hybrids are just sort of re. To boil it down and oversimplify it, it's a big or um, alternator. Yeah. So it's just running parts of the the systems that to take stress away from the engine to get more uh, fuel economy from it. But um, yeah, a lot of stuff gets put under the mild hybrid now, which is fine. It's just, it's just how it's yeah how it's worked out. But that would be forty five thousand pound entry. Yeah. The interesting thing for me is because we talked about the Valar and we didn't actually have anything against it, which is why unlike no, the Evoke, which yeah. I'd kind of say the Evoke, I don't really like to put that in the Range Rover name. But no, I... because if someone said to me, would you like this? Would you like a Range Rover Evoke? No. Yeah, and if someone said to me, Range Rover, it, I, I, yeah. I don't think of an Evoke. Yeah. If if some, if you said, oh, my friend, you know, my neighbours bought a Range Rover, and I pulled up and I saw this car, the, what I would be expecting wouldn't be an Evoke. Yeah. I'd sort of, I, it, to me, it sort of groups in with like a, a, a T-Rock. Yeah, okay. And stuff like that. Yeah. It's sort yeah, of Range yeah. Rover's crossover yeah yeah um from the, just going from the, the other pro- way from the products it's, they don't offer it's funny isn't it it's <laughs> like they're going downwards whereas yeah. everyone else is coming up so yeah. they're going to release a, a hot hatch soon yeah if i saw a Velar and you said oh someone's bought a range rover i suppose i wouldn't I, i'd still oh okay I, I kind of would know it's not yeah like it's not going to do the off-roading job of a proper range Rover. but you but, will get the luxury experience of driving down the road yeah in a tall land rover branded vehicle Range Rover branded. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, you get a Land yeah. Rover badge on it still, though, don't you? Uh, Do you not? I'm so sure the badge is still Land Rover, isn't it? it always Inside used it to be. Range Rover. Yeah, it always used to be that you had a Land Rover yeah, badge on it. I'm questioning myself now. Well, I just wonder if the, the new, new ones... No, it does. It's they do still, still put a Land Rover badge on. On the, on the very front, on the grill. They put the so, little so green Range badge. Rover above it. Yeah, it's got they put the, the little badge green badge on it. Badge. Okay. So, uh, and the Velar only has one generation, doesn't it? Yes. So 2017 onwards. Yes, there's not really too much to cover off. I just think... Well, no, but just quickly. So if we go for your mid-range, so we're not talking a 2-litre, we're not talking the 5-litre supercharged V8. So we're looking at the 3-litre. So they've got a 3-litre mild hybrid, 3-litre petrol supercharged V6, and a 3-litre V6 turbo diesel. They're going to be coming in around fifty three to 55,000. I think there'd be a bit now, more than that one. Right? Maybe once you yeah. spec it. I mean, that's yeah, what, yeah, I okay. That, you're talking about, you're, you're going absolutely At that base. point, yeah. why don't you go to what, the chassis that they are on, which yeah. is a Jaguar F-Pace. Well, it's an interesting point, that one. Yeah, so at that point, do you, do you then, I guess, in if you're looking at just brand names, why do you downgrade to an F-Pace but get better spec? This is the question. Would you, would you consider it a downgrade to be not I'd in a range? I'd, no, I'd consider it an upgrade to yeah. have a better spec F-Pace over a Velar. But if you walk into a restaurant, Mm-hmm. And you have to give your keys to someone for them to yeah. park your. I mean, look, this this is somewhere I've never been, but I'm sure one somewhere neither of us are going to go. But you have to give your keys to someone to park it. Yeah. And when they call the key at the end, and someone says we have a Jaguar here or we have a Range Rover here, because they probably would at the sort of place that does that announce that it's a Range Rover, not a Land Rover. Yeah. If you heard that happening, would you think differently? As in the difference of someone saying a Ford and a Mercedes? No, I don't think so. I I kind of put Jaguar and Land Rover on the same... Well, yeah, like probably because they, they merge as a company. Well, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, if I said Jaguar, I think Mercedes, BMW, 
Audi. Yeah. If I if I what say, I don't think is Ford. No. Hyundai. I suppose the trouble is, have Range Rover been able to? Well, we'll come on to this, but it's whether Range Rover have been able to move the top Range Rover away from the territory that would be prestige into the really big prestige stuff because people will point out the Bentayga for Bentley yeah. and the Cullinan for Rolls-Royce and say rather than spending a quarter of a million or the Maybach yeah. um, the Mercedes Maybach I can't remember the I can't it's, I think it's a GL it's a GLS Maybach or something but it's on the 4x4 chassis and it's quarter million quid now for that you could go to Land Rover yeah, of course. and say that Range Rover you've got the top, top one. But I'd caveat that with, if you've got an F-Pace and a fully specced F-Pace, mm. are you only sitting with the Velars and stuff like that? Are you not sitting with your Range Rovers, your Range Rover Sports? Are you not sitting in the same category? The interesting thing... Because I, I would personally think I was. It's, yeah. the, it's the biggest thing that Jaguar would do. Yeah. They do smaller ones. I'd say the interesting... But the I-Pace and the E-Pace are smaller cars. So if you want yes, an, an okay. Evoque style or a Velar style, you can get that. If you want an F-Pace, yep. that's their big boy off-roader, if you like. Yeah, yeah. To me, that sits with a Range Rover. That sits with a Bentayga. Not necessarily in terms of what you get, obviously. Mm. But, you know, Range Rover, proper Range Rover, Bentayga. What else have we got? Urus, if we're going to... Because I guess you'd have to include the uh, Urus Aston in Martin that. DBX. Yeah. Do you want to chuck that in? <laughs> just, 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 uh, just to mention but it, yeah. I, I, I would group it with all of those. Okay. And then the pricing point for that, they're they're around 50 grand with a decent spec. Well, I was going to say, the thing that connects the F-Pace to me to the bigger Range Rovers, or Range Rover Sport particularly, is you can have an SVR Range Rover Sport. You can have an SVR F-Pace. Because that badge... We're talking a bigger price then, but you're still talking a smaller price than everything else. Yeah, and that badge is on both of those cars. So if someone said, I've got an SVR, they could be talking about a Jaguar. They could be talking about a Range Rover. That's oh, the, Touareg as well. You can include the Touareg in that because that's just because you love that, the Touareg. Yeah. Well, it's a massive car. Yeah, it is. It's the size of a Range Rover, uh, and it's but, about as expensive as a Range Rover. No, it's cheaper because well, you have to remember how. Do you remember? They're we not looked, like, I'm sure they're like ninety grand new, aren't they? Touaregs. Yeah, the new no. ones. A Touareg. No, no, they're standing about forty-eight. No. Yeah. Sam's about to go and buy a Touareg. Everyone. <laughs> that's for a very because you have to remember. Whereas a Range Rover is starting at, uh, I think, a three-liter supercharged petrol. Yeah. You can get a Touareg with a, I don't know if it's a three-litre diesel. Uh, I don't even know if they would still offer that now. Or a, what would it be? It would be a mild hybrid two-litre petrol, I guess. If you go onto Volkswagen's site, and I'll go on to our next one. So Yeah, we, you start talking about... Well, the thing was... We were well, right. They do start from... That's mental. I thought they were like 100 grand. But when, when they first came out, the new ones, we were talking. I'm sure they were well expensive because we were talking about it. I think we were they, saying, why would you get one of these? When they launched them, I think you could only buy... It's a bit like... Do you remember we spoke about the Ranger a little while ago? Yeah. And they're, they're launching it as the Raptor only. Yeah. And then they're going to bring in the Wild Track and the more base models. Do, and they, I think, do they do a non-R-line Touareg now? Today? Yeah. Oh yeah, they definitely. All... Oh okay. Yeah, yeah. So if you're talking a about a Touareg R line, uh, it'll probably only be ten grand towards... above that. So it'll be late late fifties. I would say that competes with an. He's F-pace, putting though. his shoes on to go to the Volkswagen. No, but to me that right would that would minute. compete with an F Pace as one of the cheaper ones. Of why wouldn't you buy this instead of a Range Rover? I suppose then again you have the question of a Jaguar or a Vol. I know, and we're not. Oh, being, I'd go with the Jaguar. We're not but... being bad snobs. We're we're talking this more about as, as the public would perceive it, I mm. suppose, which is but... a very poor way to ever buy a car. But just 
how you have to kind well, of a lot of people to consider that, don't they, when they buy a car? They do, and that's why Volkswagen. I mean, otherwise we'd all be driving around in Fiat 500s. Yeah, it's it's, it's odd odd to me because a lot of people hear Volkswagen and they hear not quite prestige, but this sort of solid middle of the road car, which actually was Ford 20 years ago. Yeah. It's like <laughs> you Ford are now like bottom of the barrel. It's so bizarre. <laughs> Unless yet, you get a Mustang. And then yet you say to people, well, what is it about Volkswagen that makes them so good? Oh, well, it's reliable and all these things. You say, well, hold on. You know, this engine in this car is, is terrible for reliability. They have this issue. They have different... All the. I mean, you've had a Volkswagen van that was yeah, six broke. months old. <laughs> so the, the amount of people that come back to me and say, um, they're not that... There's, there's people do put them in quite high regard and from a point of interior and exterior I think that's the thing is they nailed the stuff that the public like the, the buyers oh, touch it's, it's one of the best looking cars yeah, I but, think on the but market, as you but... interact with it you know always the doors feel very solid things like yeah, that they do but yeah you're right whereas when it comes the to an engine in general is nice yeah. and when you look at some of the stuff they do and you think why did an engineer put that thing there which makes the job to fix it 10 hours and really expensive and Whereas, also, it does sound like a tractor, and that's a really old thing to say. But well, the diesel van you're yeah, talking about. No, no, the di- the diesel Touareg does sound like uh, a tractor. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a fair point. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we've really detracted from what we we're actually yeah, talking about. But I still think if you, I still think the F pace is a really good. I yeah, I think if you it's were a shopping, good question to ask because it is we are talking half the price of a Range Rover. Yeah. Well, we are now. Well, when we get, we'll get onto that in a minute for, for price and stuff. But this is, I suppose, why Range Rover have so many options. Because today, if you said, I want to go and buy a Range Rover, as in the Range Rover, you need to spend, I think it starts at about seventy-five, eighty thousand pounds £80,000. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's then, base. And, yeah, like... There'll be some optional extras that you, you almost have was wanting at a minimum. Range Rover Sport is more like sixty. Uh Valar is coming at four. These are all obviously entry forty five for a Valar. But even with the Valar, they're pricing themselves out. With that, I know that their range range. Do you think they're doing it for the badge? Yeah, they must be. It's almost like if you buy a BMW, Mercedes, or an Audi, isn't it? You're paying for the badge. But I think Range Rover are pricing themselves out. When you can buy an F Pace, you can buy a Touareg. I mean, what else is big that you can buy? Probably not a lot that sort of size, is there? Well, it's BMW X five. Mercedes. Yeah, you could on that where you could get a Kia Sportage, but that's probably dropping back towards Sportage like is a little bit smaller sort of size, isn't yeah. it? But yeah, yeah. But there are a lot more available cars that you can get better spec for less than the entry price of a Villar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that's it's just what, that's, people. That's why we're putting the Evoque and the Villar out of the. We're, yeah, we're just putting them off together to well, say. Sorry, the the Evoque's going. We're throwing that over our shoulder in the waste yeah. paper bin. Yeah. The Villar we're just sort of placing to the side of the desk, and we're bringing forwards. The actual cars now. Yeah, I think because this podcast is Range Rovers, and I think we, we can kind of look, if you go out and you want an Evoque, fair enough, you want the badge, and look, it'll be a nice enough vehicle. But if you then wanted to try and keep up with people who've bought a Range Rover, it's just not, it's not, it's not being sold on no. the same idea. Like the whole thing with the Range Rover is you buyers may never ever take it off tarmac. Mm-hmm. The reason they're willing to pay £100,000 for it. It's because Land Rover, when they sell it to them, say, yeah, we know that one day you might want to take this across a very flat, flat, muddy field to walk your dog. Yeah. Well, it can go up a mountain. And that's what they <laughs> sell it. And that's the... Well, you know, you might go to a... I'm speaking from things I've done in the past, like worked at, 
Yeah. You may go to a country estate that's hosting a craft fair or an yeah. event and you may park in a wet field that's yeah. on a slope and you can just cruise out of the field be... while everyone else is just being yeah. annoyed because their shoes are muddy. And, and the car but on like the side said, when if it wanted and... to, it could drive up the side of the castle and yes. over the top of the, <laughs> over the, top of the castle. <laughs> yeah. and... So I think there's a differentiation there between just a, a sort of compact SUV, which is the, the Evoque. So I think that goes off to the side and we kind of say, it's got a Range Rover badge on it, but that's really... To me, it's a Land Rover because... The Discovery Sport also suffers with this. Really, Land Rover today, they sell the Defender, they sell the Discovery. Yeah. That is kind of... They're not selling the Disco Sport anymore. They do sell the Disco Sport. I'm just saying that... But if you bought one, you... I think you'd end up being a bit disappointed if you did try and oh, do of course. Land yeah, yeah. Rover oh, right, sorry, you're talking about just off-roading like, well, capabilities. Or, or at least using it as partially. Yeah, I think Land Rover owners would take issue with you saying that the Evoke sits in their lineup. to be honest. I think, yeah. <laughs> it, I think it's that mismatch of a car that yeah, I think Range Rover owners don't want it. Yeah. And Land Rover owners don't want it. Either. Yeah, it kind of sits in a middle sort of juxtaposition it's, yeah, between... It's the sort two. of the black sheep of the family, anyway. Yeah. And it's been ostracised. So, that, whereas the Velar, you can kind of see that they've almost said, we want to build a sports car Range Rover, but without having ignore it's, they it's, have the... It's your city centre Range Rover. Yeah. It's for going around London. It's the, the for going around is... Paris. It's for driving around Milan in... The, the odd thing, or the, the, the trouble is, and the odd thing is with it, they already had that because they had the Range Rover Sport. They did, but and now the, that's changed. <laughs> the, the, I suppose the thing with the Range Rover Sport is it was always sold from the... What's the chassis on the first one, Sam? Uh, you've got it right there in front. L405, is it? Yes. Okay, yeah. yep, sorry, yeah. Um, the, so uh, Range Rover Sport, we're talking yeah. L320. Oh, uh, L320, sorry, yeah. That's the first one, about 2004, late 2004, yeah. 2005. Yeah, yeah. Well, that one was on a Discovery chassis. As in, it was actually on a Discovery chassis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, the uh, was it the Top Gear at the time? They did that thing with a tank. And they took it off off road. Yeah, they did. Yeah, that was and quite it showed. Show, actually, I like that one. That despite it being called a sport, this they Land it Rover, was a proper Range Rover. Yeah, they really were not willing to release a product because they knew the first time they did this, every journalist in the world was going to head to the army proving ground. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the worst place and possible. Go, this for doesn't it, work, and then say I'm stuck. So they had to actually. Whereas I feel the sport since then has been forced to keep up some form of uh, off-road ability. Yeah. So that's why I still want to put it in with the Range Rovers. Because if I saw a Range Rover Sport, I don't think Range Rover Sport. Oh, I, I just kind of think of it as a Range Rover. Yeah. Um, Interestingly, on the Range Rover Sport, have you noticed now that obviously the Range Rover Sport was typically... Obviously, lots of people bought it, but there was one particular crowd that all bought a Range Rover Sport, which was you footballers. Yeah. Have you noticed that now that no, that's no longer true? What do they buy now? Range Rovers. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. I mean, obviously, amongst other, yeah, I mean, most footballers yeah. have gone down the other route now. They'll turn uh, Lamborghini up in a, in a, in a Urus yeah. or Porsche you know, Cayenne or an AMG GTR or something yeah, like yeah. that. But it's interesting that they didn't, but not, you don't see many of the sports now. You know, when they're covering it on the telly and you see players turning up and they're getting whisked through by their driver, they'll be in a Range Rover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is, I just thought it's quite interesting that that sort of stereotype's gone now. Yeah, it's interesting. That's a good point, especially because you'd think they would all want the SVR. Yeah. But anyway, so right now we're going to move on. So this is the, the sort of big part of the podcast, because I think if someone said to me, what does a Range Rover look like? In my head, I still see the classic Range Rover shape. And when I say uh, the see, classic, I don't. What, which one do you see? I see the original Range Rover Sport. Oh, interesting. Yeah. It's weird, isn't it? I, I can see what you're saying. But the original Range Rover Sport sort of looks a little bit like the early Range Rover. Do you think it's because... Do you not think? A little bit. 
Yeah, I well, don't know which chassis number I'm talking about. Am I talking about? You're talking about the classic. So it doesn't okay. have the the one that they had on. So the we're show talking that about you just mentioned mm. where they were on a barge going through the rainforest. Yes, that's a classic. Right. Okay. So I think the sport looks a little bit like that. No, that's fair. I think like a newer version. Well, the thing is, Range Rovers have grown over the years. So the the uh, the sport that you're talking about, the um, yeah. Well, give me the chassis code again for it. L320. The L320, so that's 05 to 12. If, yeah. Or tw- 05 to 13, I think, actually. Yep, that's what you've written. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that That is a bit smaller, which actually puts it in yes. size-wise probably about the size of the original Range Rover. Yeah. But I think we'll come on to the sport, because we'll, we'll do this in time order now. So let's start talking about the... I, I kind of see the classic. Yeah, yeah. So we'll, we'll start there. Now, the classic is the only one... And we're not going to spend too much time on it because I know it's classic car enthusiasts really at this point are talking about this age Range Rover. But there's a few important points. It's the only Range Rover you can buy that has uh, carburettors. So it started with a carburettor engine, then it went to the EFI. So I think it starts with a three and a half litre carbureted engine, moves on to a three and a half litre EFI, which I think is a Lucas uh, electrical, uh, electrical fueling. Injection, electric fuel injection. Okay. I think I'm right. <laughs> uh, then it moves on to Sam. You've got it in front of you. What? So it's all V8s. We're we're not going to cover off the diesels for so these. I've got P38 uh, written down for the next one. Yeah, but sorry, what's the engines on the classics? So there's a 3.5. Oh, sorry. Can you see that? No, I can't see. Okay, you so you've got a 3.5 V8. That's the carburetor one. Yeah. Then, then another 3.5 with yeah. the EFI. You've got a 3.9 V8. Yeah. And a 4.2. Okay, and sorry, I w- I'm just looking something up. It's an interesting one because Land Rover actually re- sort of called it the classic, but they called it the classic once because they sold this um, the the original version with the P38 for a couple of years. They they were in the showrooms at the same time as they finished selling the original, and they started selling the second generation. Now I just wanted to say that you know my friend who's got the Defender. Yes. Talks about a while ago. Yeah. His dad's got a Range Rover Classic. So their driveway will look, it's got a Defender, a yeah. Defender, and a Classic Range Rover on it. They must look like when, when he goes back to his parents. Some some real Land Rover enthusiasts yeah. going there, yeah. Well, I just wanted to give him a shout out because I know he listens. So. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, that's been going. sitting there driving, going, Are you going to mention my dad's car? Yeah. Are you going to mention my dad's car? Do you know what, do you know what engine he's got? I don't, but do he'll be able to tell engine? me, and I can met him. when he listens to this, he'll yeah. probably call me that day on his way home from work. Yeah. And then I'll tell you on that podcast. So yeah, okay. I'd be interested to in know about what, a month's time. Yeah, give the answer to that. I'd just be interested to know which which one he's got. Yeah, I just, will. I will. I will find out. As they were running out the classics, they did. They they actually called it a classic for a couple of years. So I think it's ninety three to ninety five. Could be wrong on that exact year. It's definitely a ninety five, definitely a ninety four, and I'm not sure whether it's like ninety three and ninety two or something like that. But they. Land Rover did quite a big re-engineering of the interior. So you get a, quite a, a different classic if you buy it at the very end compared to all the earlier ones. And so if you do get one of those later ones, yeah, you do have a different dashboard. And it's dashboard interior. It, it's quite an extensive bunch right. of changes. Considering the fact, as I say, they were, they were just going to get rid of it. Well, not get rid of it, but they'd already made their new one. Right, okay. That takes us on to the sort of unloved one. Uh, is that, sorry, is there anything you want to say about the classic, Sam? I, I, I don't want to dwell no. on it too long, only because it's a bit of a classic car yeah, yeah, specialist topic yeah, and, no, no. or a Land Rover lover's topic. And I don't I know some people listening will be a bit like they're, they're not too knowledgeable on it and it might not be the one they're so interested in. Mm-hmm. So um, bearing in mind it's stock production, 
95, the last ones. So we'll move on to the one that's the least loved. Least loved? I'd say. It's the one that people seem to have the least passion for, which is the P30, P38. Yep. 95 to 02. Well done. Congratulations, uh-huh. you got that one right. Uh, again, we're not going to talk about They did a two and a half litre diesel. Um, I, I, the reason we're not covering the diesels on these older ones, by the way, is I just think that anyone who bought one with the diesel engine on those ages would have bought it for sort of some agricultural use or whatever else. And it's probably just rusted or been unloved. And unlike, say, a, a V8 one that's like, likely to have found an owner that loves it and wants to restore it, I don't think there's too many doing that for the diesels. Well, I believe your actual sentence to me was, we're not talking about the diesels today because they'll all have been crushed. <laughs> yeah, and rusted into a field. So if you own one, please let us know. Yeah, well, yeah. That, that, my friend's dad might actually... If he's got a diesel, he yeah. might have a diesel. I don't think he has, but I, I say, it I would just, be interesting if he did. I'm just thinking that the enthusiasts around sort of classic car scene for these vehicles, I don't think would have a diesel. The ones that use them for proper off-roading still... I think they would have the V8. Yeah. The people that are, want the old classic, for whatever reason they might have just to have the old classic... Will uh, want a petrol. Yeah, I mean, well, because now you couldn't take a diesel anywhere. Well, I mean, no. you could. You just you just couldn't take it in certain cities. And yeah. it would probably... It would be an old, old diesel. Yeah, so it'd have, it'd have all the sort of sootiness and all that sort of stuff yeah, about the, it. The tax you're going to be paying is going to be quite high. Oh, they'll be exempt. Oh, of course, because the they're old thing. enough, aren't they? Oh, yeah, yeah this, yeah, this is why I like the classics. Yeah, of course you Well, do. I mean, obviously, if you buy a 95, it's not exempt, but if it's 40 years old, so that takes you up to... 80s. 82. 82. So if you buy a 1982 Range Rover um, up to the month, whatever it is... No, you probably won't be going anywhere. <laughs> no, but you won't have to pay any tax. You won't have to get it MIT'd either. Well, it's good, because yeah. it would only be leaving your drive anyway. That's fine. <laughs> but you can just roll down the street in your rolling chassis, and no one can pull you over or anything. So, well, actually, I think anyway, it's... P38. P38. Uh, yeah, so was it a 4 litre and a 4.6? Yep, that's what I've got. Both V8s. Never, I've never driven or been in the 4 litre. I've been in several of the 4.6s, particularly last year, for some of the work I did for uh, classic cars last year. Um, just ended up in two different um, P38 4.6s. And actually, I didn't mind them. I, I, I think the odd thing is... There's a few left that are sort of nice condition. I'm trying to remember what it was a Wimbledon. Was it? Well, it was Wimbledon Green. There was a I'm trying to remember what the edition was called, but there was a particular one. It had a four point six, and it had everything. It was mm-hmm. the very last ones on a fifty one reg. So it was two thousand two registered, and it was a nice vehicle. But the problem was that because that's sort of a, it's sort of a classic. Yeah, and on the other side, it's. For people who like that one, it's desirable. So you end up paying money, the sort of money it takes you into a good L322, which is the next generation. Yeah. And I wouldn't buy a P38 over an L322. No, no, of course you wouldn't. So an L322, just in case you're listening, you're not sure, uh, that's the chassis that would basically take you 2002 to 2012. So if you've seen a Range Rover around that age, or if you're maybe a bit younger and you know you just sort of have an idea of what a boxy Range Rover looks like, it's probably the one that you're thinking of. It's the one that all the rappers bought <laughs> back in you know, the early two thousands. It was you you owned a Hummer, or you owned a Ra- or you owned that Range Rover. That was kind of the one. Yeah, definitely. And you uh, you slammed it, put some big wheels on it. <laughs> yeah, 
And some massive exhausts. Yeah. And now all that's had to be taken off yeah. as they get older and, well, the ones that are worth saving are being saved. The Queen had one as well, didn't she? Oh, I'm fairly sure she had two. one of these. I'm Did fairly sure have? I've seen a picture of the Queen driving one of these. So she, she's definitely got a Defender. She, she's definitely got a new Range Rover because I've seen a picture of her driving it. Oh, is she? Yeah. An L405? Mm, yes. Yeah. yeah. She hasn't okay. got, oh, well, she might have one of the brand new ones now, but she's definitely yeah. got an L405 because I've well, seen a picture of her driving to, where's the country place? Sandringham. Yeah. L405, for anyone listening, that's 2013 to the one that's just been replaced in 2021. We will come on to it in a minute. I think the reason she would have one of those, I think all the security detail that she has gets yeah. new Range Rovers every, say, six or five mm-hmm. years. And so she probably gets one with that. I imagine Land Rover just sort of... Yeah, I mean, I've 100% seen her driving yeah, both yeah. of those. So yeah. she's definitely had both. Well, I think she just jumps in the old car that she wants. Yeah. Well, if it's good enough for the queen of yeah. the country. <laughs> I can imagine that when I say that, it's all of the cars that she... I mean, if the queen walked up to you and said, could I borrow your car? You're not going to say no, are you? I wouldn't say borrow it. I'd say take it. Yeah. Please. <laughs> I'm trying to think... The, the money I can make from the newspaper stories yes. would more than replace this car. But not even if she was in the UK. I think she could go to a lot of countries around the world where she's not... anywhere the... in the Commonwealth and go and take one, really, but even, she? Yeah, but even where she's not the Queen, I think a lot of people would say, the Queen has just asked me for my car. Well, I mean, it's not like she's going to nick well, it. You're more likely to say yes to that than when the police come up to you and they have a right to say, I need your vehicle. Yeah, yeah, that's and you're, true. And yeah. you're going to argue that and be like, yeah. no, you don't. But, but if the Queen said, I need to, I need to borrow your vehicle... If I saw the Queen, I think I'd just get out and just wave the keys at her yeah. if she wanted it. <laughs> um, so anyway, L3, so do, do you want to say anything on the P38 Range Rover set? Uh, I don't really have a lot to say. If, if there's if there's enthusiasm... It was before these... I sort of got really got into those sort of cars anyway, so I can't yeah. really join it from the from 322. The, yeah. for, for anyone who's an enthusiast on Range Rovers who wants to pick up anything about the early ones, if we've missed something off, do just let us know. The only thing I can think of is that a lot of these early ones, the classics, they are being um, remanufactured. There's a few companies now that are, are basically rebuilding them. Oh, okay. And they're putting new engines in them, new brakes, all this sort of stuff. And there seems to be a, a bit of a sort of... A, there's two ways that these old Range Rovers are going. Some people are restoring them and they want them to be original. Yeah. Other people are restoring them and they want to be resto mods. So they want the shape, but they want to put in a bigger engine or okay. an electric engine, some of them, and have a lot of mod con features fitted into a classical yeah. uh, Range Rover. So that seems to be the, the sort of two avenues people are going down. I'm just wondering if um, if there's one out there that's cheap enough that's uh, tax and MOT exempt. I could buy that. <laughs> Run around in that till I bought it. <laughs> of course. That'd be all right, actually. Right, anyway, I'll have a look yeah. at that. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on to the, the L322, um, which in my head, if someone says Range Rover, I see the Classic and I see the L322. Yeah. That, those are the two that I, I, I recognise the other ones as well. But just if if I see one, that's what is in my head. So they start off in 2002. And at that point, you can buy. So they go through three facelifts during their, uh, sorry, two facelifts. Yeah. So the first one you can buy is a 4.4 litre V8, it's a BMW engine, mm-hmm. or a 3 or a 2.9, it's badged I think as a, I think, well when BMW have it, they badge it as a 3 litre, Land Rover badged it as a 2.9 litre, there's a TD6. Yeah, I so guess it's down to who you trust more. Yeah, or how you, yeah, or maybe, how you read numbers. maybe BMW got a few extra <laughs> yeah. CCs out of there. <laughs> yeah. on the, uh, so BMW actually owned uh, Land Rover at this time. So this is why there's a lot of BMW-esque 
bits um, in them, and it's it's Which really... is not necessarily a bad thing. No, well, so I'm trying to think the the issues they have. Well, we'll come on to that in a second. The interesting point here is that when the Range Rover Sport was made, BMW no longer owned uh, Land Rover. Oh, okay. And that's why the Discovery Sport was put on the Land Rover Discovery chassis as a body on frame, right? Not like the L three two two as a, a sort of newer, fresh sheet design, which is what they did for, for that Range Rover. Oh, okay. Um, so it's just an interesting point that the newer Range Rover at this point actually got, I'd say, older technology, which is why it was actually so heavy. So they could have right. made the first Sport lighter, but in fact, even though it was smaller, it still weighed, I think it was two and a half tonnes or something like that. So, you know, these, these are not light vehicles. But See, to me, at this point, th- th- this is where you start to get, I think this generation especially... If you've got an L322 and an L320 Sport, I think you, for me, I'd go Range Rover Sport over the L322 Range Rover every day. Would you? Yeah. Interesting. It's interesting. Well, and we... you wouldn't be able to persuade me otherwise. No, I probably would go the other way and I probably wouldn't be persuaded either. Um, it's just down to personal preference. Really, it is. It? I suppose, well, we'll get onto it in a minute once we get to the 2005 shape because that's where they're directly matched as yeah. in you can buy the same engines across them so we'll, yeah, yeah. we'll finish off so on the first ones you buy a 4.4 litre petrol which if you're looking today is probably the one to go for just because the 3 litre diesel or the 2.9 litre diesel does have this gearbox issue and if it needs bits repairing I think the 4.4 can suffer with uh, oh, is it valve? Is it the valve? Is it the gaskets on the valves? There's, yeah, I think so. Yeah, <laughs> there's some issue, um, but it's uh, compared to you know, obviously fuel economy is terrible. Either way, we'll get onto that in a second. But uh, reliability wise, if you are looking at a 2002, 2003, 2004 Range Rover, you're probably worth just going for the petrol and accepting that it's going to do 15. If you're lucky. <laughs> to, yeah, 15 to 17 miles to gallon is sort of where it will do. Maybe I'm an optimist. Um, well, I think you are what we would deem an eternal optimist. Yes. And then the diesel, uh, mid-20s miles to the gallon on this age. Delightful. Uh, you can buy it. So the entry at this point is an HSE. So that's where you start. And then and you can spot an HSE because it has the smaller wheels it doesn't yes. some of them don't even have uh, like a nav screen they just have like a cd player in the middle then you go on to the vogue uh, on this generation which then gives you a bit more kit and everything else mm-hmm. now in 2005 this shape gets a facelift and for a year the three liter diesel is still in the range rover yeah but the 4.4 so this is an interesting point for anyone who's looking at buying because there's there's three and then four engines across nearly a year, just over a year. So if it's diesels, it starts off with the facelift still having the three litre diesel in it. So I'd say avoid those ones if you can. It then switches to the TDV8, 3.6 TDV8 goes in. And that's late, late 2005, 2006. Yep. But there are facelift ones out there that 2005 facelift, if you're not sure in your head what that looks like, the front headlights go from being squares to squares with a little sort of... Uh, a little circle in them, haven't they? Yeah, that sort yeah. of comes out into the grill. Yeah. For the petrols, the BMW petrol is ditched and a Jaguar 4.4 is brought in. And that Jaguar 4.4 also goes into the Range of a Sport. We'll talk about that in a minute. 
But that 4.4 is actually seen as quite a reliable unit. Mm-hmm. And of all the engines, it's kind of the one, it's it's the least, you, you basically get the least of everything. It's the least efficient. Right. And, and compared to a TDV8, it's probably, I mean, it is technically more powerful, but actually on the road performance is worse. Yeah. But it's probably going to give you the least issue. The one that you want, or I would want, is the form would you want the four point two liter supercharged Jaguar Land Rover engined uh, V eight that they put in there? That is the one to go for in my eyes. But well, it always would be. What'd you get, Master Gallon, on that one? Oh, fifty four <laughs> <laughs> or five. Really interesting point though, because I've said there's a facelift and there is an exterior facelift in two thousand and five, and I've said about the engines and the crossover. So you you start off still with the three liter. Then it goes to a 3.6 litre TDV8 if you want diesel. And the 4.4 BMW engine becomes a 4.4 Jaguar engine. And they introduce the 4.2 supercharged engine as the range topper. But the interior, I think, I don't know what happened. I think Range Rover, the, the, well, the, the people building them basically had the old dashboards oh, okay. left. And they had to get rid of them. So in 2005, if you buy a facelift, you don't get a facelifted interior. And in fact, into 2006, and the way you can tell, the easy way you can tell, the very quick way you can tell, look at the top of the dashboard. If there are two air vents in the middle, that's a facelifted dashboard. There are right, other okay. giveaways, but this is just the easy one. If there's no vents there, that's a non-facelift. And there's other. the other way you can tell is down where the sort of controls are for the terrain response and things like that. But just easy just to look. In through the windscreen or... Yeah, of course. And yeah, if it's got an air vent in the middle above the navigation screen, then you've got a facelift interior. Because I was looking at the 4.2 supercharged V8s. And as ever, I was. <laughs> and I wanted to look for one that was on a 55 plate because that has the cheaper tax. Yes, okay. Because all Range Rovers after 2006 March, there isn't, on this shape, they're all £550 tax. Diesel, petrol, a lot of them. And we all know how much you resent that tax yeah. bracket. So I was like, well, actually, you could buy the 4.2 V8 supercharge on a 55 plate, have that first facelift. And then I realised, yes, you'd have an exterior facelift, but not an interior okay. facelift. Which is the place where you sit and spend all of your time. Yeah, so um, there that goes. Now, at the same time as that facelift happens, the Ranger of Sport is released. And the Ranger of Sport is released with... A 4.2 V8 supercharged engine, same yep. as the Range Rover. It's released with a 3.6... Uh, sorry, it's not released with a 3.6. It's released with a 2.7 yep. TDV6 engine, mm-hmm. which is the one that's fitted to the Land Rover Discovery of the same age. Yep. So that, that's the one I've driven. That's the one you've driven. Yep. And there is also the 4.4 naturally aspirated engine, Jaguar Land Rover engine, the same that you could get in the in the full Range Rover. So it's not supercharged. I have seen before people advertise a 4.4 as supercharged. And if they open their bonnet, they You'll will see it's not. <laughs> well, they'll probably just find that it's missing the, the, the crucial element. <laughs> I saw someone advertising it. And I thought, well, I can understand what he's done. He bought a 2005. He's got a facelift and he's got a petrol. So he just has done no research and assumed yeah, he's yeah. But at some point, he must have put his foot down and thought, it's as quick as I thought. Not very quick. It doesn't have a supercharger wine or anything like that. And someone <laughs> sold it to him saying, yeah, it's very quiet, isn't it? And slow. I've got here that they did do a five litre supercharged V8. That's on the Is facelift. That... We'll come back. Okay, we'll come to that in a minute. So we're, we're in 2005 here and we've got the Range Rover Sport on one side, which is a body on frame 
uh, which uh, if you take the body off, you've got a Land Rover uh, Def uh, Discovery, Discovery underneath. It starts off, if you want to buy one of those, that's a 2.7 TDV6, yeah. which is in some ways the engine to go for, and in some ways the engine to completely avoid at all costs, because they have a catastrophic issue. Uh, I think it's the... Oh, is it the oil? Oh, I'm not going to remember. There's a part. There's a part on the front of the engine which is connected to the crank. It can seize. It seizes. It crank. It um, snaps the crank in half. Okay. They're also not very quiet at all. And they're very agricultural, aren't they? Um, I had a family member who had a, dis a discovery. Yeah. With that same engine, and it re like it labours. I, I, I was living somewhere else at the time with uh, my partner of the time's family, and their the family car was that. Um, Range Rover Sport with the 2.7. Yeah. Um, it may have been run on red diesel. I'm not saying oh, they were it was. They? I'm not saying it wasn't, but yeah. it definitely was. Yes. <laughs> but um, so a member of the family was one of those uh, first responders. All right. So they would, you, you do shifts where you, if, if there's a medical emergency, you go and wait for the ambulance okay. to start yep. doing any first aid. Yeah. So that would involve them being up. They usually did the night shift. And if they ever went out, I could hear them through. The very thick farmhouse walls. Yeah. Turn the car on and drive out. Yeah, it wasn't cold but as well. Yeah. I did drive it a few times, and I have to say, as a unique driving experience, mm. probably the best driving experience I've had. Just feeling like the luxury of being in a Range Rover. It did have power when you put your foot down. Yeah. All right, not the power you can get in some of the ones you can get now if you had the supercharged petrols or anything like that, but it did feel. Like, yeah, this is a Range Rover. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, you, it's an automatic, you just put your foot down, you hold the steering wheel, and you just drive. There's a particular seating position you take in a Range Rover. Yeah, there is. Yeah. I have to say, if we're talking for this generation, for the L322 and the L. It's 405? The L320. Oh, I keep saying 405, which is the new one, isn't it? Well, that's also a, that's just it's the Range Rover. L320. L320 yeah. and L322. I've actually driven every variation because this is while I was working yeah. in the most. Track. So, mm -hmm. of all of these, I can say I, one of the ones that particularly stand out for me was the 4.2 supercharged Sport because the yeah I bet <laughs> the the sort of top boss of where I worked he got a new one every six months oh okay as part of our you know it would just get sold on the forecourt so it was a complete tax write off mm -hmm. and he was the guy that used to always carry around a thousand pounds in cash in right. his pocket usually in fifties and he used to send us in his Range Rover to go and buy is it Red Marlboro that's an expensive one. I possibly I the, don't know. the whatever the Marlboro is that's the yeah there's I think there's very I don't smoke so I don't really no, know why <laughs> but I remember he was very specific and he would give you two fifty pound notes oh, he'd okay. tell you what to buy and you better hope you come back with the right thing yeah <laughs> but he always gave you his Range Rover to take oh okay. and I just remember cruising out especially with the supercharged one mm -hmm. it it was it was like you were stood on a plinth somewhere yeah. of success yes <laughs> just a very odd feeling because there's no there's not many cars can give you that for, for i was just the absolute oik of a salesman i was the the bottom of the run and i was the, very young at the time as well so i wasn't and know. in the interiors they weren't look if you look at it now they weren't amazing the back if you're comparing the, back, it the back to... lighting's green 
it's very pixelated with the screens. The oh, buttons yeah. are very square and chunky. Yeah, yeah. But then I suppose the whole thing of you can use it. Do you use oh yeah, gloves no, it's, I'd, it. I'd still buy one now. I still yeah, like yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying they didn't look. Well, I might buy one did, and leave it on your yeah. driveway. So. They didn't look like the lap of luxury interiorly because they got this green backlit, really heavily pixelated screens. Yeah. That look like you're using an Atari computer they did, from the nineties, which was odd because the top screen is like a color. I mean, of yeah. the time, it's yeah, about yeah, as modern yeah. as you could get. But yeah, the bottom screen, mm-hmm. which was for the radio and stuff, it did just have a very basic. So it's odd that they mixed the match for those. But uh, no, I like. I said I would probably avoid. So they also then release on that age sport the three point six TDV eight, which is probably the one to go for. Now, if you're looking at buying one today, again, the four point four is the one that's the least talked about. But I think whoever bought a four point four in the sport originally, so not the supercharged, but the four point four. V8 petrol, they've probably been one of those people that just bought it, maintained it. They haven't modified it with some crazy body kit or whatever else. That's probably the one. It's and almost the one to go for, isn't it? Because it you know it's is. probably been looked after and not ragged around. Uh, yeah, and also it's not attractive to the sort of people that are, I say the sort of people, but to those who were looking to buy one on a budget 10 years yeah. down the line or five years down the line, a lot of them bought the 2.7 TDV6. Yeah. Now you can buy the this this age sport. This is the again it's the 05 to the 12. You can buy it in the range of S, uh, SE and HSE. So unlike the the big Range Rover of this age where HSE is your entry, HSE is actually your top okay. spec. So if you went and said I want a supercharged one and everything else, it would be, you know, you bought one in 2005, you bought one that was HSE. That yeah. was the, as as the spec went. Moving on, to, to what you'd buy, I, I say the 3.6 TDV8 will be the best of both worlds of performance, speed, efficiency. Mm-hmm. They've got a, they're a bit known now to have turbo issues. Uh, and if it, well, I say turbo issues, if they need the turbos doing, which around 100,000 miles is not, in, you know, it's not rare, yeah. I'd yeah, say. Yeah, of course. Uh, it's an expensive job. And it's usually, right, okay. it's, it's, it's just easy to lift the body off the frame and, and do it that way for a mechanic. Oh, okay. Um, the 4.2 supercharged V8s are actually pretty good reliability-wise. Yep. Obviously, they're heaviest on fuel, but they're also fastest. The 2.7 is that one of, if you buy one from someone who's maintained it really well and they're aware of the issue, it's something to do with the the oil. Uh, I say it's around, it's, it connects onto the end of the crank and it's just the original part wasn't up to the job. I think you can buy an upgraded part either aftermarket or from Land Rover. So if someone has sort of said, look, they either had the problem of had the engine rebuilt or right, they knew okay. about the part and they've been maintaining it. And again, things like a good, you know, someone who's kept up with the oil changes and yeah. been really regular, you're less likely to have this problem. So it all goes back to if you buy a cheap one and you buy the entry one, it may well have been run on a bit of shoe, a shoestring and you're going to possibly pick up a big bill. So, so. the thing you probably end up getting. 100%. <laughs> it's funny because we sit here and we do these podcasts and we give this advice, say, look, this is the engine that, you know, it's probably going to be run on a shoestring budget. It's going to, it's not going to be looked after. It's notorious that it's got these problems. And then the day afterwards, I'll get a message saying, look what I found. And, you'll and be... it's 85 of these. Yeah. There's every single one that you can possibly find on the internet. You're going, well, I'm definitely going to buy one. It's just a case of which bucket of rust do I want? <laughs> and then we'll be there in a week or so's time. And you'll be looking at the set of Jinyu tires that are on the back of yeah. it that and are just... down to the cords and, and, and saying you're... to me, mate. Yeah. 
And in the meantime, and then you're saying, well, actually, we need to get back. So we need to record another podcast. So I'm just sitting there thinking, how has my life come to this <laughs> <Yes>. stage? <laughs> I mean, I'm sitting here giving advice to whoever's listening and then going out the next day, the next weekend, the next and week, just it, doing the opposite yeah. <laughs> of everything well, we say. Listen, this is why people ask. And, and he's sitting there going, well, it'd be good content, though, wouldn't it, for the YouTube <laughs> <Yeah>. channel? <laughs> this is the thing. I... I, I Try and give when I'm giving advice to people. Yeah, it's the same as when we buy cars for me. You give you give great advice. You don't listen to it yourself. Uh, uh, and if yeah. I try and give it to you, you're like, no, nah, that's stupid. <laughs> yeah. But I would feel terrible if anyone ever followed my the advice I give myself. As you should. <laughs> yeah, because it would be they'd buy something catastrophic. So I always give the best advice I that's can. That's why I say you are an eternal optimist. Because <laughs> yes. you could turn up and just see a car that is just genuinely, it's just broken. Like the best thing for the car would be for it to be scrapped. Yeah. And you're going, yeah, but you know, we should probably give it a chance and. I think if we replaced the engine and we got some new wheels and we replaced all the axles and, you know, the interior was swapped out for this and we, we com- completely sanded and repainted the body, <laughs> I think I think the car would be all right and it would get some of its original charm back being a completely different car with no, no original parts on it at all. I genuinely said something about an interior with you the other day. I was like, yeah. the seat is split in half, basically. <laughs> but if we put... I don't like the colour of that interior anyway. We could buy another one. I think the the the, uh, the issue here is... I've worked in the most trade, I've seen trade-ins, and I've seen that 50, 60, well, okay, let's say 60% of the time, everything that you know and you're told in general is correct. You know, this one is a bad one, try and avoid it. 60% of the time, that's right. The advantage for a trader was always that other 40% of the time, you got that one cheap because you said to the person who was trading it in, or because you bought it from auction and no one wanted it but you, mm-hmm. that, well, that's the bad one. You know, so I'm not willing to pay top dollar. And when you then put it on the ramp and checked it out and people came to test drive it, it was a good one. Right. And you made a load of money on that one because that was the sort of the ones that actually they got a bad name. And this happens so, a so lot. in your head, every used car is this. Yeah. I, I turn up <laughs> to places and I think, well, it, it's got all the indicators of being a bad one. But, but realistically, it, might it be. must be that one yeah. that's the good one. Yeah, it, it, I just look past all the scratches and the poor maintenance records. And the fact and, it's got no oil and yeah. the, there's, there's steam coming out of the coolant. Yeah. Just forget about that for a second. It's probably a good one still. Yeah, the mould on the seats, that that's fine. It scrapes off. You can but, scrape mould off. It's that, not a that's, problem. That's a sign of a, of a very conscientious owner. Yep. So uh, there is, we'll go back to the L322. So we're, trying, we're turning this, the Sport and the L322, which is the big full fat Ranger. We're doing them at the same time here. Uh, there's another facelift that happens. Okay. 2009 is a facelift, and this happens to both at the same time, which is why it's good to cover these two off at the same mm-hmm. time, because their lifespan is identical. Uh, well, from that, from, that, much, yeah. from that facelift, from the second yeah. facelift, it, the time, the lifespan's identical. For the... Uh, full Range Rover, the big Range Rover, 2009, the options are trimmed a little bit. So I think the 4.4 petrols dropped at some point before them. You can only now buy a 5-litre supercharged petrol. And the 3.6 carries on. Again, it's the same, I'm not going to say trick, but it's the same thing that happened with the first facelifts of this Range Rover. That first year, if you buy an 09... It's going to be a 3.6 TDV8. Easy thing to notice on the outside. It won't have Brembo brakes. Okay, so if you're looking for a diesel and someone says, oh, this is the newest one, this is the facelift. Well, it might have a full facelift and it might be a a genuine facelift model from Land Rover, but it hasn't got Brembo brakes. 
and well, you know, the V5 will say it's 3.6, but just yeah. as an, e uh, an easier indicator, it will that will be the older engine that was carried on for a year. It's 2010 you want to be looking at. In 2010, there's a 4.4 litre TDV8, which of all the years that the L322 is made, people say is the engine to pick because it gets an eight speed gearbox put in it. Right, and the okay. eight-speed gearbox makes the engine a lot more efficient. As yeah, it's of the... course. Well, it takes a lot of stress off it as well, doesn't it? Yeah, so... and it means when you're cruising, you're cruising in eighth gear at yeah. 1,000 RPM. As opposed to sixth or seventh, depending on what the other yeah. gearbox has. So the, the five-litre comes in, and that has a six-speed gearbox. So if you want petrol, it's five. It's the five-litre. The five-litre has a known uh, issue, which was the cam chain followers. So if, if you buy one that's had that done, don't worry too much. If you buy one that hasn't had it done, get it done. Yeah, probably. Take, it's it's not something that you know. It's not as bad as say like buying a gearbox, uh, an early diesel, and knowing that the gearbox is definitely going to have an issue at some point, most yeah. or most likely. I shouldn't say definitely. With the five liter, I, th I think there was like a recall from Jaguar, and maybe some of the last ones were better. But I think this issue carried on into the newer Range Rover. So just be just be aware. If an owner says they've been they they know about it. They've had it checked, or they've had it done, or it's had the recall. Then you know you shouldn't need to worry about it too much. But if you do get a little bit of chain rattle, you need to go to a garage as quickly as possible, or just get it recovered at that point. Because if you do the damage to the engine, that's it. You know right. you're, you're going to be up for a huge bill. If you catch that really early, you could just get away with having the and just having the cam chain followers done is still expensive, and you would probably replace the chains at the same time because yeah. they've got to come off anyway but it's better than having to fix all the damage of everything I was going to say but a, a bill for say 1500 quid to two grand versus a bill for 10,000 pounds well you'd you take know. the 1500 pound one wouldn't you I mean it's, it's, yeah, it's not what you want but no but it's a fifth yes uh, under a fifth yeah. of the price so. uh, the, I was going to say the, the pick of the bunch seems to be most people like the, the diesel I know diesel's got a bit of a bad name this one it can't go into uh, it's it's not so it still has to pay the ULES fee, um, and it still has the sort of diesel bands. It, it's not it's not in the newer Euro range. Yeah. So, um, but and obviously the petrol would be. The pick for me would be the five liter supercharged. Oh, I was a surprise to everyone listening. <laughs> that's obvious. the The nice thing is, if you go for the diesel, the late one, you can get a Westminster, um, which yes. is like they threw everything yeah. at it. What have um, we got in the back that's really, really yeah. we've been saving for a rainy day? Yeah. Just lob it all at it. Let's get the cannon of expense out and just, just fire, fire it, it, it at it. Yeah. Uh, they also did, I'm just trying to think, they did a Vogue, Vogue SE, and I think Autobiography. Yeah. The other ones that are on that lace one. If we switch over to the Sport, because the facelift happens at the same time, and they don't change the diesel, so you don't get a 4.4 diesel in the Sport. You can either buy a 3.6, or the pick of the bunch, which is the 2.7 diesel, goes to a 3-litre diesel. First is introduced with a 6-speed at the early facelifts, then gets the 8-speed gearbox for its last year or two years. Yeah, so that's the one you want to go for. Well, the one you want is the 5-litre supercharged one. Yeah, but the, if you're sensible and you want some if, economy. Yes, but if I'm giving serious, well, if I'm giving advice that's not for me, yeah, <laughs> then that 3-litre... 3-litre diesel. <laughs> it, do you know what the interesting... It's just a side point... Do you know why it's a three litre? No idea. So this engine is was built between. Uh, it's basically Jaguar when they were owned by Ford, 
and the PSA group. Okay. They both wanted a diesel engine. Mm -hmm. So to sort of reduce costs, they built an engine. Uh, PSA wanted a two and a half litre. Okay. Jaguar Lamro wanted a three litre. Yeah. So they they built a three litre. They, no, they, so they <laughs> built a 2.7, which oh, is what okay. all the early ones do, a 2.7. Right. And Jaguar then decided, do you know what? We're going to, on the refresh, we're going to make it the three litre that it should have been. Yeah. So it, it it does resolve most of the issues. Again, it's worth just checking certain things because it's not like it's a brand new engine from the 2.7, but it should have a lot of the issues resolved. And for most efficiency on the Sport, so to say, we're talking about the Sport now. So the Sport, you can't have it in a 4.4, 3.6 litre TDV8, 3 litre TDV6. I think they might have called it an SD. V6 or that no that might be the later ones or just go for a 5 litre V8 if you're not in the UK and you're sort of in the US you could have the, those petrol engines that I mentioned the 4 point uh, sorry the 5 litres because they're the 4.4 um, the 5 litres you could have naturally aspirated so you didn't have to have a supercharged one they didn't bother oh, selling okay. them over here because the diesels just were the, yeah. the big dominant one of the market on from there we move on to the most recent, which is the L405. Yep. And then the L... Go on, Sam. 494. 494 for the Sport. So these are released at the same time, 2013, for both of them. Yep. Do you want to give me... I've got the engines for the Sport. Just quickly, on the Sports, yep. with a preference of the of the way they look, the new one to the old one, because there's only two Range Rover Sports. The, the current one that's yeah, long yeah, in the yeah. tooth, but it's it's still the current one. Uh, they're too different for me to compare. Fair enough. Yeah, if okay. I had to pick one, it would probably be the newer one just because it looks newer. Yeah. But I just don't, I just don't not like the old one. I've heard a lot of people say they think that the original Range Rover Sport looks dated now. Like it looks yeah, particularly uh, dated now. It does compared to the newer Range Rovers. Yeah, okay. That's a fair. But it doesn't look like a bad car. It's just if you sat the two side by side, you'd say, well, that one looks like it's from the 60s and this one looks like it was made yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even Which like, I suppose, yeah. by the fact they're still selling the, the, the yeah, Sport, it's, the current it's, one. It's one of those annoying things. So the, let's go to the, the big Range Rover. That comes out. That's the L405. Okay. You've, yeah, you've got the you've got the engines for that, I believe. Uh, go on, you, you do them. Not. You do them all. Oh, okay. Oh, um, sorry. I, I've written them down and I've scribbled them in, in little yeah, letters. So, so I won't... So you read those. Um, I'll, I'll do... What we uh, pre-planned before the podcast. Yeah, started. that's fine. <laughs> three litre supercharged V6. Actually, that's an interesting choice. There's petrol. Three litre V6. Yeah, uh, V6. Okay. Uh, then they go to a three litre turbo I6 or inline six engine. I, I quite like the... I know it's a big car, but they got... Was it th uh, 250 odd kilos of weight out of the car from the L322 to the L405? Okay, that's quite a lot. It is quite a lot. And I think, to me, I would... I don't, I don't uh, advise just against diesel. It's just that I think those petrols are probably pokey enough to get going down the road. The problem is that not many people would have bought them originally because diesel was still a big. You know, 2013 this comes out yeah. with these engines, so most people would have still gone for the diesel. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, there's also the five liter V8 supercharge, as I mentioned. That's a carry. Obviously, that's the one to go for. That's the <laughs> one to go for. Obviously, um, there's a three liter V6 diesel, which is probably the pick of the bunch if you want the Range Rover look, but you don't necessarily need speed. Because if you want the speed one, then you go for the 4.4 TDV8, which again mm -hmm. is carrying over from the yeah. previous one. That's the one that's going to give you the, the, the sort of everything. 
So it's going to give you quite a lot of power. Obviously, it's not going to be as powerful as the 5-litre uh, supercharged V8, but for on-road performance with the amount of torque you've got out of the thing, are you going to notice the difference? I guess probably not. No, but, but you will manage to get a genuine, I'm not saying all the time, but a genuine 30 miles to the gallon. And possibly, I've heard people take these on a run, sort of you know a long-distance drive, and be tickling 40 miles to the gallon. I mean, that's not bad considering my car that i drive which is a 18 petrol all right it's 2010 so it's a couple of years earlier than this yeah that is averaging my trip is averaging 35 yeah it shows how much impact a gearbox can have yeah because Having that's a small speeds, car yeah yeah compared to a range rover yeah well you know <laughs> um they then it does go to a there's a hybrid diesel you can buy probably wouldn't be my pick of the bunch only because that's their first go at yeah, you want, yeah, you don't want. To, you know, I don't think you want to get any company's first attempt at a hybrid no. or, or electric. On these L four hundred five Range Rovers, there is a little bit of questions of electrical issues up to fifteen, so thirteen, fourteen, early fifteens. A lot of them would probably have it resolved. Yeah, yeah. but just be aware in the market. See if if, if you if someone's got good service history, it's it's a question to ask. Or does has it did this one have any recalls for some electrical issues, things like that? And the owner might be able to tell you a bit more. Yeah. Um, the 4.4 diesel, that is replaced at some point, And I, I can't remember for the life of me. It's either it's either 15, which I don't think it is. I think it's more like 2017. It's replaced by a whole new 4. Point, I think it's, again, a 4.4 litre TDV8. That 4.4 litre TDV8 can go into London uh, ULED zone. Oh, okay. Because it's a Euro 6 Right, okay. So again, if you so that's live... that's the one that everyone's driving. That's the one that Boris is yeah, cruising yes, around yeah. in. <laughs> so if you live sort of around London or, or around Birmingham... Or you're the Prime Minister. Well, yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying, you could also... I think the if Prime you're Minister. the Prime Minister, wouldn't you have the, wouldn't you have the supercharged one? Mm, I don't know, because you want to be seen to be... Oh, well, I don't know. I wouldn't. I, uh, well, no, and I don't think he does either. No. <laughs> you want to be seen to be semi-conscious whilst driving around in your Range Rover with your two Jaguars as yeah, your security detail. But he actively says that diesels are the worst thing in the world, so... Yeah, well, he can't really win. No, it's true. But he can't win. Well, no politician can win on anything, <laughs> no. yeah. Um, you then have... Uh, so, yeah, sorry, the 4.4 diesel means that... So if you do live around, I think it's Manchester, Birmingham... Bristol, London. If you live around those areas, I'm not sure that Manchester's low emission zone is is in yet. In effect, I could be right. I could be wrong in saying that it's in effect. So, be aware though it's coming. And Bristol, soon to be. I don't think that's one's in effect yet either. But if you live around those areas, and you're thinking of a Range Rover, um, it might be worth spending a bit more if yeah. you want the 4.4 diesel to go. And I think uh, I say. I'm sorry, I did try and check this quickly before the podcast, but I just couldn't find it. I think it's around 2017. They change it and then it becomes a Euro 6 emission. So that means it can go into all these United zones and it's exempt in a lot of the diesel sort of banned areas because they're banning pre-Euro 6. Now, it'll probably be in time they'll ban Euro 6 as well. But for now... For now it's okay. We can only talk about the here and now, can't we? Uh, and there's a plug-in petrol hybrid that comes out in 2018, which, again, if you're looking much newer, that's not their first go at it because they'd had a go at hybrid diesel, so that yeah. might be worth a shout. Anything that you've got on this, Sam, for the uh, L405? No, I've, I've, missed only, I've only got the Sport. Okay, do you want to cover this. off the Sport? Because we'll, we'll just cover yeah, off I mean, the I've literally, I've literally just got the engines here. That's so. fine, because this is the current... So this is what... If you walked into Land Rover today and said, I want to buy a Range Rover Sport... Yeah, I, I believe so. You can correct me if you think I'm wrong. 
So this is 2013 um, to now. Yeah, we'll go through the diesels first. So yep. there's a two litre, yep. which is just a two litre twin turbo diesel, yep. 237 horsepower. That's, good. That's not bad, actually. Yep. A three litre V6 turbo diesel. Probably the one you'd pick. Yeah, yeah 258 horsepower. Uh, also, they do a 306 horsepower and a 340, which is a hybrid. Yeah, again, that's probably going to be one of their. That would have hybrids. been that. That would have been that diesel yeah. hybrid they could put in that one. So maybe I'm not saying we're not saying it's a bad one. We're just saying no. like, it, a first attempt at a hybrid. Maybe yeah, exactly. You know, or the one Miles would go for if he was buying diesel, which is a 4.4 liter V8 turbo diesel. Yeah, well, that's the one I've just been telling people about. Yeah. <laughs> uh, petrol wise, two liter plug-in hybrid. Yeah, probably 404 okay. horsepower. Plug-in. So yeah. Oh, I've seen stuff on this plug-in. This. Uh, it's plug-in decent, hybrid. 400 horsepower is quite decent. Yeah, and it actually has really good, I think it's something like 50-ish genuine miles of range. 50, 50, oh no, sorry, I'm thinking of, oh, I'm thinking of the BMW that was tested. Either way, this has uh, got, I think I'm right in saying that this has got a fairly decent range Yeah. Okay. Uh, on its back, on its plug-in, so you can run around on it pretty well. So this is interesting, so the two, the, sorry, the two-litre plug-in hybrid, 404 horsepower, the three-litre Jaguar supercharged V6, mm-hmm. 340 horsepower. So 64 horsepower less because you haven't, you haven't got the electric power. So I, I still interesting. The question is for a used purchase, if it was, if because as I say, you can still buy these new, um, but if you were looking at used, I think the person that go, went in to go and buy the three litre V6 supercharged, yeah, they're probably the person that you would want to buy it from. Possibly. Because they didn't want to go hybrid. Yeah. They didn't want to go diesel, yeah. And there would have been more cost and maintenance to making that choice. So why did they make that choice? There That's was no fair, financial yeah. benefit to them doing it. So they must have wanted it, or they bought it because it was the demo, and they got yeah. it, then they got it on a great <laughs> offer. Um, the next one is a th- also a three liter. So this is a three liter mild hybrid and that's available in a 360 and a 400 horsepower that's about 2017 that comes in yeah and then the last one is the one that miles will obviously tell everyone to go for which he has already told people to go for i imagine yeah the five liter jaguar supercharged v8 with either 503 horsepower 517 horsepower 542 horsepower or the one i imagine you'd want which is 567 horsepower (laughs) yeah so the one to buy here is the jaguar land rover uh sorry not the the range rover sport svr end of podcast there's no (laughs) well thanks for tuning in guys we'll see you next week (laughs) that that would be the one i think uh, of the sports well i mean no it's the one i would want but it's mad i actually saying that uh, i'm joking actually i wouldn't want the svr he wouldn't want it. No, no, Miles is claiming he doesn't want the most powerful. No, no, I'd want the five litre supercharged. Right. But I wouldn't want the SVR one because the SVR, I think there's a compromise been made. Yeah. Okay. And, and I think actually, if you want a powerful, like there's no, I can't imagine many points. You're sat there. You've got 510 horsepower. Is it 510? Did yeah. You say? You've got 510 horsepower in your Range Rover Sport. And you think, oh, I should have bought the SVR. I just can't yeah. think there's <laughs> many scenarios. I think you'd say the same with the F-Pace, which is obviously, I know, yes. it's, I know it's a different car, but it is relevant because they're the same well, sort of group, aren't they? The so. only thing was in the, the SVR of that version, I think you couldn't have the 5-litre. Okay. That's the but, only reason you would want yeah. But again, yeah, the but supercharged... There's going to be compromises, yeah, but the, it isn't. The supercharged V6, you'd be like, yeah, I'm fine I'll with just this. take that. I yeah. think the thing is, the Ranger of Sport has had to be compromised to be capable as an svr yeah to the point that it, it kind of loses that range rover off-road a bit like you, you've gone so far away from a range rover yeah I, I don't think a range rover should make the noise that an svr makes 
<laughs> it's it's just, a, I'm not saying it's about it's, it's a lovely noise when someone puts their foot down, but I don't think it's a noise a Range Rover should make. I think it sounds a bit AMG ish. Range Rovers should just make a whooshing noise as they come past you. Whoosh. Well, whether, well, it's, whether it's a petrol or your, diesel. Your wish will come true at Sam soon because well, they yeah, will be electric yeah. and they'll wash You know what I mean? The, yeah, the I noise isn't the Range Rover. It's wow, look at this massive thing moving at this speed. Next I thing. think a, a rumble V8, but like a. Uh, sort of a soft rumble V8. You know, as you roll past... Yeah, think, not like you said, your AMG nice. sort of V8. Yeah, not sort of like shouts like the, at you. You know, the sky's been ripped apart. Uh, and then, from there, the, the only Range Rover left is the newest one, the L460. We don't have too much on it, because it's only just come out. I don't think all the engines are even announced on it. Um, no, I've got four. So this is 2021 onwards. What what what's 21? Did they say what I said? <laughs> Mars is gonna wear. I'll get a glass Spanish of water. Yeah, yeah. 2021. <laughs> Didn't realise you would uh, have come over from the continent today, Mars. It's just you starting the thing with a different language. It's, it's inspired me, mate. <laughs> okay, so all I've all I've managed to find on this is there is a three liter turbo, yep. mild hybrid petrol. Yes. Yeah. A four point four liter twin turbo V eight, which I imagine is the one you'll turbo want to buy. Yep. Uh, diesel wise, they've got a three liter twin turbo, mild hybrid. That's it. Okay. The yeah. only diesel offering. Yeah. Uh, and the FEV, the plug-in hybrid. Yeah. Uh, three liter turbo. I think so. There, there are different power variations on those. There's no. There's no two liter plug-in. No. Not on it. That's not not what that I could find anyway. That's interesting. So, I, I didn't mention it everyone because I just mentioned it as a plug-in. But the plug-in hybrid that was in the L four O five is a two liter. Oh okay. Uh, that's connected and you know it sort of all works together if you like. Um. So it's interesting to me that the they've gone for a three litre on the new one. Either that or I heard wrong about the... Um, but I'm fairly sure it was two litre on the, on the plug-in before. So a question for you. Go on. Which Range Rover, if you could buy any Range Rover this ever, is it, would you it? buy? <laughs> this is it. I think there's there's positives to all of them, but I'm, I would still buy an L322 chassis. So that's the 2002 to 2012. And... Being me, I'd want the five litre supercharged one. And the one that actually I'd want would be the four point two V eight supercharged because it's the one that seems to have the least uh, issues. Yeah, yeah. But of all the ones, I really like the L four O five. I do like the look of that. That's the sort of up to now most recent. Yeah. I like the sports. I think both the sports look great. Um, P thirty eight, driven them. They're nice, but they're not. They, they felt they do feel Range Rover ish. Yeah, yeah. And so that's fine. You know, nothing against them. They just would go near to them. Because I would want a classic more than I'd want a P38. Yeah, yeah, of course. I, I, I suppose for me, the newer one doesn't... The newer one looks great. It's just that they've become so expensive. Yeah, they have. There's a point where Range Rovers were starting at around £50,000. And even if you imply inflation... I'm talking about sort of early 2000s. They're around £50,000. If you imply, uh, apply inflation since then... They still shouldn't be starting where they are. No, I don't really like the back of the new one either. Uh, They've redesigned the back, haven't they? They have, yeah. That's the big part. Because the front of it, they didn't really redesign too no. much. But the back of it's had a big redesign. I saw one of those. Favorite. I'd have to see it on the road. Because I, I haven't I, seen it on the road yet. When I, was, um, when I was off on a shoot last year, on a photo shoot, should probably... <laughs> you're talking about Range Rovers, you have to make it clear. <laughs> yeah. um, one passed me. It was, a, it was a Jaguar Land Rover camoed car. Oh, doing, okay. And it was doing runs on the M42, I think it was. Yes. Uh, just, I mean, it went past. I, whoever was testing that was Having testing. Having a great time. <laughs> yes. Um, went right past me. But yeah, I think I think I like. I really like the classics. 
I do really like the classics. I know there'd be a lot of work to buy and to own, and probably would be a second vehicle or a, or a, yeah, or a hobby vehicle. Yeah, you know, it wouldn't yeah, be yeah. your only transport. P thirty eight would be behind the rest of the bunch for me. So yeah, if I was to buy one, I do like. I do really like the old four hundred five. You, you give you. I knew you'd be like this. I, th- I knew you're not just going to give an answer. No, everybody's going to forget what you said because you've given your answer at the beginning and then run through the, every other line. Yeah, and I know, yeah. So which Range Rover okay. would you buy? You're yeah. only allowed to pick one. You're not allowed to talk about any of the others. Okay, you'd like to pick one. I would want a 2011 or 2012 L three two two five liter supercharged. Right. Okay. There you go. Is the definitive answer for you. with like the high. I, I think this. I don't think. I don't think they did the um, a Westminster. I think it was only a diesel. Okay. So autobiography spec. If 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 I'm just getting to pick whatever I want. Yeah, that's fine. I, I've I've got a feeling I know what it's going to be for you. Sam. Yeah, so mine's going to be the facelifted but original sport. Yeah. So t- 2009, spec. 2010. I know they did an autobiography spec yeah. for that. Um, I don't know if you get an engine choice with the autobiography, but uh, would probably either be a diesel V8. I'd go or with the diesel V8. V8. Yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. That would be that would be mine. And I'd probably use it as an everyday car, because at this point we're not we're not thinking that we're on a shoestring budget. So, oh, I am. Well, of course, of course, of course, you are. That's, <laughs> what, that's why. If I, I mean, if I had to, if I had to choose one to buy, I, no, if you if you're having to choose one, then money's not. Yeah, if money's not interest. Yeah, only because it's the first one I drove. I didn't drive an autobiography, but I drove that model. Yeah, yeah. And I just it just I fell in love with that model. If I could go it. out and buy one today for a, and I could and I could just spend a couple of you know like as a second vehicle that I could spend a couple of thousand well, a uh-huh. couple of thousand a few thousand pounds on leave on your driveway and work on right I'd buy a four point two supercharged of either the original sports okay or the um the l three two two I think that's what I'd buy well, or unless it was a really good project I'd then I'd buy a classic but I think the problem is if I put, if I left a classic on your driveway you'd know it's not moving yeah. Where I think if I left the other two, you'd have this hope. You'd be like, well, <laughs> we it's, probably, come back it's probably not broken too badly. The the only other thing I should mention on L322s, if you look at them, they can get rusty rear wheel arches. Oh, well, that's why you'd like one. Yeah, because there's, unfortunately, Land Rover didn't put a sort of cover over the front of the rear. So if you look at a, a, an arch, the one that's sort of going facing towards the front of the car on the rear, it collected a load of dirt behind it. Oh, okay. Dirt and mud and stuff like that, and there's no way for it to escape once it's there. And there is there's a really good video online by some uh, by like a Land Rover club, and they've they you know they show you look if if it's not completely rusted and you can clean it out and put some rust repellent there, and they give you this great guide of you know treating the area, and then you can buy I think it's off a Discovery Sport like a lip like a protective lip that oh, okay. goes on the newer Discovery Sport, which actually fits. That bit of the wheel arch, and it seals it off, so that way it doesn't get all this crud and oh, wow. okay. mud and everything else uh, in there. So just just a side note: if you if you if you listen to this and think I'm going to go and buy an L three two two, Miles has inspired <laughs> me. <laughs> then quick, run the other way. Yeah. <laughs> Don't listen to advice from the guy that runs the podcast. Yeah. Well, I enjoyed that podcast, Sam. Oh, I know you did. Uh, been very much looking forward to this. Any, one. Anything you um, wanted to add? Uh, I think I'm Range Rover out. You Range Rover out. I'm Range Rover out for now. If uh, if you've been listening to this and you get some questions from it, um, just send them in. I think uh, I think we've answered as best we could. I say the new the newest one. We we've neither of us been in the newest one because it's only just yeah exactly been out uh, for a year. Well, not even a year. I don't think it's been out, and it's it just been very difficult to to. Well, they haven't even released all the engines. Yes, yeah, so, it's it, so you know, to track it down. Um, but. Any of the ones, yeah, just send us in a message if, you, if you've if you got any queries for it. We can always pick them up on another podcast. But otherwise, 
Um, have a great day, everyone. I hope you've enjoyed the podcast. Do what is it, Sam? Like and rate and oh, um, what's your what's oh, your snappy oh, tune that you had to go in? Got it. Okay, well, visit themilesdriven.com, yes. <laughs> the Miles Driven Instagram, the Miles Driven uh, Facebook, the Miles Driven on Twitter. Like, share, review. That's not it, but we'll like, go with that. <laughs> but yeah, on the podcast, do um, do like and share it if you're enjoying it. And otherwise, uh, we'll catch you in the next one. We shall, we shall see you soon.